Uh, it's always good to hear that experiment works while we're live on the air, which is what Jared has done this morning. He also just asked if anybody has complained about our levels. Um, we do have a text on the text line that says, yo, what's good with the online listening platforms? All that's heard is rejoins and commercials. And that was sent six minutes ago. So if you're listening online, well, you can't hear me. If you're listening online, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but thanks uh, for the text. For anybody that's unaware that can hear us, uh, our studio's being remodeled. We're in a secondary studio. And uh, yeah, let's just say Jared is experimenting with things live on the air to make sure everything works. Um, this is around the air. Darn right. Um, so Got us there. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but Damian Lillard had 71 points last night. He was 22 of 38 from the floor. 13 of 22 from three. He tied the NBA record for most threes made in a game, made all 14 of his free throws, the eighth highest point total in NBA history, uh, 71 points for Damian Lillard. Amazing game. Like I said, I learned about it waking up last <laughs> night. I got the I got the ping on the phone from the text from the sun. Lillard scored 71. Why has he always stayed in Portland? He's a great player. He, that was the text. He's he, hit, he got to 71, was still in the game right as the game came into the final minute, and took another shot, missed it, but the Blazers got the offensive rebound. Lillard was so tired, he waved away and was like, you guys, t I'm going to stand <laughs> in the corner. Like, the, everybody wanted to give him the ball because right. they were up by 15, and, and he had Score 71. Score as many as you can. His teammates were like, no, I'm not. You you get the ball. I, I'm not taking a shot here. And he was like, no, I'm too tired. He went and stood in the corner. And I think Cam Reddish ended up taking a shot <laughs> in the final minute with Lillard still on the floor. Uh, and then he checked out with like 30-something seconds left after scoring 71 points. A uh, One of the best games we've ever seen from an individual. In I would NBA not have history. wanted to be a beat writer on deadline that night, having to explain that. Yeah, you got... You got did you see you got drug tested? Afterwards? Yeah. <laughs> There goes my 9.45 sound. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about it at 9.45. Sorry, Jared. I didn't get, like, hit in the balls, but, like. The Lady Rebels beat San Diego State 65-59 to over the weekend. They are 27-2, and 17-0 in the Mountain West. Their last loss was on December 3rd. They have one more regular season game. It is at Nevada this week. If they win there, they will be a perfect 18-0 in Mountain West play and 28-2 overall. Yeah, I was there on Saturday. Huge crowd, program record, like 2,900. Um, then they honored the seniors afterwards. It was a cool moment for them. I mean, they were down 10 in the first half uh, and then came back as usual when they get down and... She's got them playing really well, and Reno's not very good, I understand. They're not. So they're going to, unless something weird happens, they'll be 18-0 in conference. And I don't care. You know, people are keep saying, oh, it's a one-bid league, it's a one-bid league. I don't care what league you're in. If you go undefeated in league and win all those road games, then that's a hell of a season. Are we going to come in here and rip the women's NCAA oh, tournament yeah, selection some... committee <laughs> if they Look didn't get in as an at-large? <laughs> so... <laughs> Wait, what just happened? There's a police officer helping a guy push his car outside our studio right now. Oh, this, they're doing a good job. They're going yeah, up. They're they, going fast. They're going man. uphill too. Yeah. They rode slightly uphill outside the studio. And then there's and a guy running. 
Oh, where's the guy? Oh, he is running. In the red Wait, shirt. He's oh, not helping at all. Is that's he helping? The friend. Oh, he is going to help. That's okay. the friend that comes to help you move when you've got all but one box left. He pushed that all at two yeah. feet. The cop and the other guy pushed it the whole way, and then somebody else comes running up to be like, good job, guys. Good work there. So, yeah, we're in a new studio, and we have a great view of the road outside, and we can see people pushing stalled out uh, cars. No, great season by the Lady Rebels. But you're right. <laughs> Press box transition. Press box uh, <laughs> transition. Um, you are right. If they, if they, let's say, we, we talked about this all year. They go, let's say they win a game uh, in the quarters and the semis. They have 30 wins. They're ranked. I think they're getting in no matter what at this point. Right. I mean, come on. But if for whatever reason they would get upset uh, by San Diego State or someone in the final, and not gonna we we could have an hour of yelling. I don't at care the, if the Raiders have a new quarterback. It doesn't I don't matter. Care if we the will, Golden Knights stole Patrick Kane. We will Kane. roast the women's We're tournament uh, selection committee. <laughs> Here is Troy Brown. Malik Beasley gives it to LeBron for three, and we're tied. Eighty-one all. They've come all the way back from twenty-seven down, and we're tied at eighty-one with eleven and a half minutes to go. NBA teams were unbeaten when taking a lead by 27 points or more until Sunday when the Mavericks blew a 27-point lead to the Lakers. 111-108 was the final score. Anthony Davis had 30. LeBron had 26. They even didn't have, they didn't even have D'Angelo Russell in that game. Uh, Kyrie Irving was not very good, 21 points, but he shot just 8 of 22. The Mavs are now 1-4. and four. When Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic are in the lineup together, did you see Jason Kidd's quote? <laughs> Jason Kidd, is he afraid he's getting fired? Jason Kidd after the game. I'm not the savior here. I'm not playing. I'm watching just like you guys. As a team, we've got to mature. We've got to grow up. The head coach. That might be the worst quote a coach has ever given. I'm watching just like you guys. Because I hope you're doing a heck of a lot better than he watching. He just said, I have no control over the game. Right. I have as much control as you and the media has over this game. And if you're a coach and you say, I basically don't have control over this. Why are you the coach? Right. Why would you not be fired the very next day? Yeah. If I was the GM or the owner and I said, wait a minute. My head coach said he, he has no control over what's happening. Why am I paying Jason Kidd millions of dollars? That's it's one of the worst, just like from a survival standpoint, one of the worst quotes I think I've ever seen a head coach give because it basically says, I don't need to be here. Right. They're just paying me to stand around. I can't do anything about this. That's brutal. That's absolutely brutal from Jason Kidd and the Mavs. Well, he's uh, one and four with those two playing together. Right now, they're still the six in the West. Uh, if you compare them to the Lakers, who are still the 12 at the moment, uh, they are two and a half, or excuse me, two, I think it is, ahead of the Lakers in the Man, West. that's bunched. So it is, if they go one if they go one and four over their next five, they're almost certainly going to fall to the play-in rounds. And then if they had another one and four stretch, there's a real chance you could fall out of the postseason picture entirely. I think they're going to be too good to actually do that. But there is a chance if you go on too bad of a, or too long of a uh, cold streak that you could fall out of the playoffs entirely. Mama didn't raise no uh, wuss. Linus Olmark scored a goalie goal for the Boston Bruins. This is the dream of every goalie, Has to right? Be. Has to be. I think I heard. Uh, 
Dave Gosher yes. said on the Golden Knights broadcast that it was the eighth ever goalie goal in NHL history. Um, so Linus Olmark, he's... That seems low. It did seem low. I thought it was higher than that. Yeah. But Boston had a 2-1 lead. Well, here's the thing. Here's what has to happen. You have to obviously be winning, and the other team has to have pulled their goalie. the net. Or pulled right. the goalie. Right. To leave an empty net. He did it while they were only up by one goal, which normally when we talk about it, we're like, oh, you're going to be up by two goals because if you're up by one and you take that shot and it goes poorly, you might give up a goal in the game's time. But they're only up by one. But you got to be winning. Other team has to pull their goalie. And you have to have enough time and space to actually shoot. Right. Because you've got to launch the thing. You can't just tap it. It'll get picked off. You've got to launch the thing. And then you've got to do it with enough skill with a damn goalie stick, not a regular stick, that it actually goes in the net. So it makes sense that it hasn't happened often. But eight is like... Eight seems low in the history of the game. Right. That's like... Damian Lillard scored 71 points. That's the eighth high. That's basically the same thing as scoring 71 points in the NBA. I figured there'd have been more than that. I'm about to install Tinder. I'm so thirsty. All right. This is one of the best things. Maybe dumbest, but best things I've seen. So Gonzaga beat St. Mary's 77 to 68. Uh, That meant both teams finished WCC play 14 and 2 in conference play. And they split the season series, which means there was no head-to-head tiebreaker for one of them to win. The next WCC tiebreaker is who has the highest (laughs) net ranking. And St. Mary's is seven. Gonzaga is nine this morning. So St. Mary's gets the one seed. St. Mary's is the one seed in the WCC tournament because they were two spots higher than Gonzaga in the net. Let me ask you this. The new commissioner of the Mountain West, this was put out this morning, I think, by B.J. Reigns, is uh, the former commissioner of the WCC. And in her tenure there, she came up, according to B.J., with the tournament format where the one and the two are bied into the semis. Would you like that in the Mountain West? No. Because their point is you avoid, for your best teams, a bad loss. Right. Uh, No. That exists because Gonzaga is Gonzaga, and that benefits Gonzaga. Yes, it benefits your one and your two seed, but it it's just so anti-tournament and anti-March Madness to me. I think you Which do is about that, upsets. I think you do that if you are a one-bid conference. If you are, hey, we're only getting one Or you one think you are, because they get two in. Right. They get two in. If you think line. you're a one-bid conference, then do that format where the one and the two seed get buys directly to the semis. Because you ult- if you're a one-bid conference, you want your best team oh, in, in the, the tournament. Sure. You don't want the damn seventh seed no. going on a run no. because they're getting a 15 seed and they're not And you have no anything. chance and you're not going to win again. You want your one seed who might sneak into the 12 seed line and pull off an upset in the NCAA tournament. So if you're a one-bid conference... Yes, give your one and two seeds a buys directly to the semis. Make it as easy for, as them for possible. If you're getting three, three four, four, five, uh, no, play it out because your top two teams are going to be are going to be in before the tournament starts, no matter what. And in reality, you need to be like this year. The Mountain West needs to be helping who Utah State, right. and that's the New Mexico probably New Mexico, off the bubble now. Yeah. But Utah State's the one they need to be helping get in. But you can't really design a tournament to where the four seed gets a bye to the right. semis or something like that. So I can. <laughs> <laughs> so I I like the format if you're a one bit conference. If you're the Mountain West, no, leave it as is that way. Because if you're the Mountain West, you actually do want your seven seed to go on a run because that gets you another team in. True, because yeah. like you said, like 
when it starts next week, San Diego State and Boise State are going to be in. Right. It doesn't really matter. What Utah do. State's uh, going to probably be on the bubble. Right. And so, and Nevada's going to be in too, most likely. Right. So, you're going to have three in, one on the bubble. If you want UNLV or somebody to go on a run and win the tournament, because then you're getting four you're teams getting four in. in. Whereas in the other scenario, you're probably only getting three. Uh, and and, and I, I understand the question. All right. Atlanta United beat San Jose's uh, Earthquakes 2-1. to one. MLS season is here, opening weekend. But here was the incredible part of this game. San Jose led 1-0 in the 90th minute. Tiago Almada, who I think is 21. He was on Argentina during the World Cup. Scored in the 93rd minute and the 99th minute to win the game for Atlanta United 2-1. to one. one of the greatest performances you'll see from somebody who not only tied but won the game in stoppage time. Major League Soccer's back. Get ready. to. It's actually on Apple TV. So Get ready to bring it here. Get it on Apple TV. Get ready to yeah, get it right. here. We're not getting it. Where's Wes Edens in his stadium? Well, we have no idea where Wes Edens is. The Bucks are like selling you said, off parcels. Exactly. If you didn't see him on TV that one time, <laughs> yes. we might not even know this guy exists. <laughs> oh, no. I know his daughter exists. <laughs> Did people hear that? Daddy had a breakaway. I think they might have heard that. We're going to break, Jared. <laughs> Coming up next year at ESPN Las Vegas, how much money is Derek Carr going to get paid? Out of the ball, finds Dame off the screen. He goes left, crossover, steps back, fades away, three, buries it! <laughs> Franchise record, 64 for Damian Lillard. He is crushing every scoring record in franchise history. You're on the elevator up to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Even better to hear while we're on the air that experiment did not work uh, as we are in a secondary studio. Um, we are, I guess I can't really say anything. I was going to say we're getting more people saying they can't hear us that are listening online, uh, but I, I was going to like apologize, but I, again, they can't hear me. So listen on your radio. If you're listening on your radio, congratulations. You're getting a special show that not many people can hear today. Um, it's going well in a secondary studio. I mean, we saw a cop push a car up the road. <laughs> that was I fun. I mean, that was fun. Yeah. We wouldn't strong. have seen that in the other studio. Have you ever had to push a car in neutral? Yes. Wow. Yes, in neutral, yeah. Was it after you crashed it? No, it was oh. a long time ago when I <laughs> didn't look at the gas gauge very closely. Oh, you just ran out of yeah. gas? Yeah, it was bad. Where, like on the highway, you were driving? No, in, in the mean streets of Laguna Beach. Okay. Were you close to home? Uh, Yeah, we were down the hill, but uh, still we had a gas station on the corner. Um across the street from as i told lindsey brown last week the two ice cream shops that's right uh so just pushed it in there and you know you're a kid so you get you get two dollars worth i mean you certainly don't fill it up you know you're a young guy still do that (laughs) two dollars worth would two dollars get you home today home from probably, that gas station, yeah, 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 but but yeah. not back to the gas station for another two dollars. Probably not, but it'd get me home. It'd get me home. <laughs> oh, Ed Graney pushing a car because he ran out of gas. Because he ran out of gas. That was a while ago. All right, all right. At least it wasn't a wreck. I don't know what's better, crashing or just not paying attention to the gauge and running out of gas. Oh, I think running out of gas, not the not the uh, the crash. I've been in those too. <laughs> We see, I have, see, I have uh, experience in both situations that I can let you know. And uh, it was definitely the running out of gas, which was the better better of the two. Right. Well, it's better because you're not in an actual accident. Right. But it's much more avoidable. The accident? No, no. Or the running gas? Running out of gas oh, yes. is 100% yes, avoidable. More avoidable, yes. The crash, pay attention. It, the crash was probably avoidable, too. But at least there's <laughs> which another. Which one? 
there's another person involved <laughs> that might be somewhat to blame. This is 100% on you just being like, gas? Who needs gas? It's true. <laughs> yeah, you're young. What are you going to do? All right. Derek Carr. How much money do you think he's making when he signs a new deal? We said when this first came about, uh, we both thought he could get near $40 million, right? I thought, I mean, the way quarterbacks are today and the way they get paid and he was going to be, after Rodgers, the second most kind of coveted guy in the market, I thought he was going to get 40 It appears that he'll take less. So Diana Rossini reported that Derek Carr is looking for a deal making more than $35 million per season. So that would be 40 but it would yes. also be 35.5. Um I'm curious to see the quarterback market this offseason because obviously Rodgers potentially exists out there. But outside of that, true free agents, it's Carr and then Garoppolo, Garoppolo. and then Baker Mayfield. Obviously, yeah. if Geno Smith or Daniel Jones gets there, but both of them might end up re-signing with their current teams. But like it's, it's not a great quarterback class, which conceivably would make Carr more in demand and give Carr a bigger overall salary. Or maybe there's a chance that teams look around and say, well, we don't think we can actually win with you, so we're not going to pay you that much. Whatever they end up doing, we'll suck it up with a worse quarterback than Derek Carr. My question on Derek Carr's side, though, he had, if he had stayed with the Raiders, if they had kept him on the roster, he would have had $40 million fully guaranteed. And that would have been 33 for this upcoming season and then seven and a half for the next season. Diana Rossini reports he wants more than $35 million per season. What do you think is more important to Carr, though? Is it the average money he gets per season, or do you think it's the total guaranteed money? That's a great question because a lot of it comes into ego and what you are you know, pegged at a court, right. and, you know, compared to others. I would think, though, if it's me, how much am I getting guaranteed for right. my family? I would, too. Uh, I, I, I don't, you know, if, it's, if, I'm, if it has to be reported that I'm making 30 but I get more guaranteed money than if I'd make in 35. I'm like, give me the guaranteed money. Right. Like, the, I don't really the, care. The I mean, extreme examples here are, you know, it, if you signed a one-year deal and it was $50 million fully guaranteed, right? well, you're getting a $50 million per year deal. But that's not better than a five-year deal worth, on average, $30 million a season, but you get three years fully guaranteed, which gives you 90 guaranteed. Right. 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 I would rather, even though it's you know, less money per year, I would rather sign the one with 90 million guaranteed than the one with 50 million guaranteed. So I think when we talk about what cars getting paid, there's going to be, there's going to be more than one way to look at what a team offers them. Obviously how much money you get per year matters, but I think it's more about the full. I think it's more how much money. am I getting at the end of this deal? Right. For me and my family guaranteed. Yeah. So that is going to be, I think, the bigger number we focus on is how much fully guaranteed money yeah. does Carr get, especially in light of the Lamar Jackson conversation, where he supposedly wants a fully guaranteed deal. He wants deal, 250 guaranteed. Unless you're Stephen A. Smith, who came out and said that he doesn't want a fully guaranteed deal, which appears to have been false. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the fully guaranteed amount is what's going to be more curious, because not only is the Lamar Jackson situation obviously the high, uh, headliner of fully guaranteed deals, but what is Herbert signed for? What is Hertz signed for? What is Burrow signed for? Right. If those guys all sign extensions this offseason, because does does Justin Herbert get uh, a $250, 300000000 million total deal with $200 million guaranteed? Or does Burrow get that? Or does Hertz get something like that? 
And then how do you compare car to that? Right. Because right. if car if they get two hundred million, does car only get seventy five million fully guaranteed or whatever that number ends up being? So I'm curious to see. The other part of that, if car got thirty five million dollars a season, cap hit wise, he'd be a top ten paid quarterback in the league. Now these deals are structured differently. Some guys get a bunch of money up front. Some right. guys get Some it later. guys get a lot of signing bonus. But cap hit wise, thirty five million will put him in the top ten. Uh, Matt Ryan is seventh at thirty five point two. Kirk Cousins is sixth at thirty six point two. Ryan Tannehill is fifth at thirty six point six. If Carr got more than thirty five million, he'd be one of the five highest paid quarterbacks in the league. Like if he got thirty seven. He'd be the fifth highest paid quarterback, again, by cap hit in the league. Is anybody doing that? For Derek Carr? That's a tough way to look That's at a it, tough I think. One. I think that I, I'm surprised at what you just said. Okay. The top five. And again, here's the key. We're talking about cap hit. Russell Wilson, for example, next year his cap hit is only like $22 million. Right? It's a very low cap hit. Rodgers, I can't remember his exact cap hit, but he's going to get paid $60 million next year. But his cap hit's in the 30s. It's in, I thought it was in the high 20s. Maybe it's in the high, you're right, maybe it's in the high 20s. So cap hit doesn't always equal money you get paid because right. signing bonuses and adding years on, like you can manipulate things a lot. So if Carr does sign, he probably won't have a $35 million cap hit in year one. It'll probably be much lower than that. But conceivably, even if he's at 30, He's going to be in the top 10. And if he's at 35, 37, he's going to be in the top five. Right. Which, but again, the quarterbacks I just listed, Matt Ryan, seven, Kirk Cousins, six, and Ryan Tannehill, five. So, yeah, it's not Deshaun Watson is number one, by the way. So it's not exactly a who's who of biggest or best quarterbacks that are getting the highest quarterback hits, which is or cap hits. Which, which might is, not make it as surprising that Derek yeah. Carr is top five. Yeah. Which, again, is why rookie quarterback contracts are so valuable. Right. Because... Tannehill is the fifth highest paid quarterback going into the season by cap hit. That's ridiculous. Best quarterbacks not thrown at the combine. Anthony Richardson is. You don't think he's the best quarterback? No, Bryce Young's not thrown at the combine. Come on, Anthony Richardson. Got to be all in on Anthony Richardson. All right, I was about to go to break, but Jared just answered the phone. Okay. All right, we're going to break. Coming back, it's Ryan Odom from Utah State. On the baseline, there's a back out to McCabe. Oh, yeah. McCabe oh! What? What? Oh, man. Was that before or after he got he got stiff-armed in his, yeah, in his chest? Yeah, Ashworth put his hand straight out and pushed McCabe. What did they call? A travel. A travel? Well, he traveled because Ashworth pushed him. That's a makeup call, no question. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. The Mountain West Tournament is back in Las Vegas this year at the Thomas and Mack Center. We are getting very, very close to that. And joining us now is the head coach of Utah State, Ryan Odom. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. So, all right, let me start with a very difficult question for you. Second year in the Mountain West, what's been your favorite Mountain West city to go to? <laughs> I don't know. Gosh, that's, kind of, that's a tough – put me in a tough spot because I, I, I can only make one team happy or one town happy. They're all good. I mean, I, it'd be hard to pick one. I mean, they're all unique. I think one of the great things about the Mountain West is that all the venues – 
are well supported by the, the, the hometown fans. And it's not like that around the country. You watch a lot of these games on TV. There's empty arenas and, and not much support. And when you go throughout our conference, um, you know you're on the road. And that's what makes it fun, not only for the, the players and coaches, but also you know, for, the, for the fans. Ryan Odom with us, the head coach of Utah State. So I've got a, a fun stat for you. When you guys played UNLV earlier this season, uh, you guys did not send EJ Harkless to the free throw line. You're the only team this year to not send EJ Harkless no to the free throw line. That, um, that means he's going to go 20 times <laughs> on Wednesday. Just to even it out, right? <laughs> Probably. Uh, he's very good at going to the line, very good at drawing fouls. What do you do to defend that? Like, how do you coach your guys? Hey, he's going to, you know, help generate some contact and get the calls. Like, how do you coach your guys to defend somebody who's so good at drawing contact? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really a vitamin thing for for us. You know, we try to play with our hands out, and we practice that all the time. Uh, you know, each and every day, we're certainly not perfect at it. Um, you know, but it does, when you show the refs your hands, it, it kind of, you know, lets the ref know sometimes that, hey, I'm not trying to, you know, control where he's going or move him in one direction or another. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm up here trying to play solid defense. And, um, you know, it's something that, that, you know, can work at times, but it also can work, you know, against you because guys are able to kind of get to your body a little bit easier because you're not protecting yourself as much. But, you know, he's elite at, at getting to the free throw line. He's a, he's a great, you know, college basketball player and, and, you know, it certainly was not a goal of ours to keep him off the line. He did get in foul trouble, you know. I think the biggest thing is trying to limit how much any team gets to the free throw line, you know, on you in a given game. Coach, I'm sure you'll say good players at at much of these spots, but it's kind of been bunched at the top with five or six teams this year. Uh, A reason for that? You're saying in our conference? Yeah, you got, got, I mean, State's kind of – Maybe now clinch a tie for it, but you've got five or six that have really kind of been battling it out. Yeah, no question. And and you know, I think the depth of our league is is really impressive. You know, and so I wouldn't just say that it's just five. Obviously, the the standings are such, and that's kind of how it's worked out this year. But you know, every game that you play, you know, is a battle, and and certainly any team in our conference can beat another team, and uh, and and certainly has happened. You know, this year. And, you know, it, it just speaks to the depth of the Mountain West and, and where it's at nationally right now. I mean, it's one of the top five conferences in all of college basketball. And, you know, the coaches and the players, um, you know, mostly the players you know, that are playing, you know, in this conference right now should be congratulated for, you know, representing so well. Ryan Odom with us, head coach of Utah State. They're playing UNLV uh, on Wednesday. So on your team, which player is most likely to bring up a net ranking or a Ken Palm ranking? Probably Ashworth, I would say. <laughs> That's a good question. I haven't had that question this year, but, you know, he's, he's on it. And, and most, most players are at this point in the year. I mean, it's hard to ignore it because it's right slammed in front of your face every second. And uh, on TV or the radio or whatever, um, social media, obviously. And so, you know, the best thing any of us can do is, is do our best to ignore it. And, you know, there's still basketball to be played. You know, we have uh, two remaining, you know, conference games before, you know, we figure out kind of where we are. 
and and heading into the conference tournament. And then, you know, a new season a new season begins. And obviously, you've begun to see it already. March Madness is crazy. I know it's the end of February right now, but uh, we're heading into March, and you saw a ton of buzzer beaters and half court shots and in both men's and women's basketball. You know, over the weekend, which is what it's all about, really. You want, you want, we all want that. We crave it as fans, and and uh, and certainly players and coaches want to be a part of it. So, Coach uh, Ashworth talks about it. You know, they're all in tune with it. They look at rankings. They look at stats. You said you ignore it. Do you not bring it up with them at all, or is that something? You know, if if they're bringing it up, you'll talk to them about in terms of okay, this is where we're at, and this is what this means. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's a personal decision, but we definitely talk about it. You know, it's something that, you know, I want them to understand what they're playing for. And, and while it's one person's opinion each night, um, you know, that they're going through bracketology or where you're at and where do you sit and all of that, um, you know, it's not done until Selection Sunday. And so you kind of have to not worry about what everybody else is saying and focus on the process, all right? But at the same time, Knowing is not a bad thing uh, because you don't want to be blind to it. You have to understand because then it'll then it'll be in the back of your mind. And so I would rather be out in front of it and talk about it than not. You guys didn't play over the weekend, but you referenced. I think we had three or four buzzer beaters on Saturday, and then Caitlin, Caitlin Clark hit one for Iowa women's yesterday. Did you spend like your off weekend just watching college basketball? You couldn't get away from it. Yeah, no question. We had we obviously had practices. Uh, we were off yesterday, but um, you know, we practiced over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and certainly. So we were with the team, and we were able to, you know, kind of. You know, this is our first break that we've had since Christmas, and um, you know, it was a huge and much needed break for our guys. Um, you know, getting through that last three game stretch was really important for us, and and. Uh, and, and to be able to, to take a little bit of time off, but also get back in the gym and be able to work on ourselves a little bit um, was certainly beneficial. And, and, you know, this time of year, you need fresh legs, you need clear minds and, uh, in order to be able to attack the end of the season. Ryan Odom with us, the head coach of Utah State. Um, all right, the generic question that we need to ask every Mountain West coach, are you guys going to get enough respect from the NCAA tournament with how many teams get into the NCAA tournament from this conference? Yeah, I mean, we hope we hope we will. Uh, thought, we thought last year, obviously, getting four in, you know, is really impressive for our conference, and and you know, certainly we feel right now that you know our conference is 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 uh, deserving of five, you know, based on you know the the years that that teams have had. But again, it's not our decision. And so we all have to finish strong and play well down the stretch in order to get what we all want. But there's no doubt the depth of our league is is really special this season. And then uh, hopefully, you know, the teams that are fortunate enough to make it into the dance, you know, fare well this this coming year and and, uh, and, in advance. Well, he is Ryan Odom, again, the head coach of Utah State. They take on UNLV on Wednesday. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Coach. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you, guys. Take care. Take care of yourself. So there's Ryan Odom from Utah State, UNLV Utah State on Wednesday, Mountain West Tournament coming up uh, about a week and a half from now. The men's side will start. Uh, I We're going to have Leon Rice, the head coach of Boise State, a little bit later as well. I am curious how much teams or coaches talk to their players about net, net. rankings, Ken Palm, okay. all of these metrics that the selection committee uses to decide if they're going to play in right. the NCAA tournament. 
obviously, like UNLV is not on the bubble. They're Ken Palm, their net ranking. No, he needs to talk about they need to probably win four and four days. Right. Theirs don't really matter. But Utah State's very much matters. Utah State is very much on the bubble. Anybody's bracketology, their last four in, last four, four out, first or first four, four out, out yeah. right? Like, they're, all of it matters, and I do wonder how many coaches are actually like, yep, our our net ranking tonight is this, and our opponent is this, and this is an important game because it's, hey, this is a quad one opportunity for us, and right. we don't get many of those or whatever. Because I, I feel like I would probably bring that up on a fairly regular basis. Because well, I, w- I would too, because you know they're looking at it. Right, like he said. They're it's, just 20, it's 23. These kids look at everything. They yeah. know exactly what is, what's entailed to get to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so it's like, I don't think it's something you would really try to avoid that much no. versus just, hey, this is what it is, guys. And if you lose a big quad one opportunity, yeah, that sucks. We lost a big quad one opportunity. Do they have a quad one win? Because a couple weeks ago they hadn't had one. Oh, that's a good thing to check. I don't think I they've don't... picked one up yet. No, I don't think they've played one since. Because the last opportunity was the San Diego State game. Right. And they haven't played one. Um, Boise State at home to end the year could be. Boise State's going to have to be top 25 in net at the end of the year for that to be quad one. So they've really got one more opportunity and then maybe a second if they play. Well, they'll, pr- they'll probably get one in the Mountain West tournament. If they play San Diego State, Boise State, or Nevada in the Mountain they West tournament. Chance, that'll yeah. be a quad one game because all three of those are top 50 and it'll be a neutral site. So they'll, they sh- as long as they don't lose to like San Jose State or something in right. the first round, or who are, they would end up playing, they might end up playing UNLV actually in the first round. Well, no, they'd, be, they'd likely be the four. Well, I don't know. I, I was going to say, I think UNLV finishes seventh. They have two tough games this week, though. They do. Uh, Utah State at home and then at Reno. And Reno's, I think Reno's in. But if you're offered, I think you're telling your guys you need to win these games. Yes. I think you're telling them that you, the only two I think right now can count on it are San Diego State and Boise. Oh, yeah. Nevada's margin for error is, is, is small. If they, they play Wyoming and UNLV, which would both be bad losses, and then they'd go into the Mountain West tournament, and if they played one of the bottom five teams, if they played UNLV again and lost or Fresno State and lost, they could play their way out if they, they lost three straight. They could play their way out straight. of the tournament, right. But they're probably safe because they're probably not losing those three games right. in a row. They're good enough that that shouldn't happen. Nevada, fun fact, has not lost a has not lost back to back games all season. Really? Yeah. They every time they've won every game after they've lost. Okay. Which uh, and if you go through some of the opponents, is actually a little more impressive than you think. They lost San Diego State, turned around and beat Utah State. They lost to Boise State, turned around and beat New Mexico. They lost to UNLV, turned around and beat San Diego State. Um, lost to Utah State, turned around and beat San Jose State. So. Even when they've had a chance to lose back to back, it's been against some decent teams. And if still I'm not won. mistaken, they might be undefeated at home. They are perfect at home, and their final one is a UNLV on Saturday. Saturday. So fun for Nevada, not so much for UNLV. Coming up next, we'll stick with college basketball as it was a great weekend. Now Dame's got it. 145 to play. Bump tries, runs it up. Yes, 70, 71 for Damian Lillard. Oh man, I got. Goosebumps. I got chills. I'm seeing history. Dame is the eighth player in NBA history to score 70 or more. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Danny is in the studio now, and he just told us that he has he got all of us baseball cards from the 80s. But doesn't remember who's on any of the baseball cards. He also doesn't have a mic to talk, so. Just shout over. 
you can just yell if you have anything to yell. But uh, very good job at ru- also ruining the surprise, but also not knowing what you're giving us. This is a great, great work by <laughs> so you, Danny. Still a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you just got checkmated by de- a degenerate. So, in the world of college basketball, uh, we had a lot of great finishes. In the Mountain West, San Diego State had a buzzer beater to beat New Mexico. Lamont Butler hit the three. Uh, New Mexico took the lead with six seconds left after San Diego State turned the ball over against the press. Um, New Mexico, by the way, led that game by 13 in the second half. But San Diego State ended up winning, and they now have a two-game lead atop the Mountain West. They just need to beat either uh, what is it, Utah State or Wyoming? No, Boise. At Boise. Boise State or Wyoming. At Boise, um, home to Wyoming. They win one of those. Doesn't they're matter which one. They're champs. They're the one seed in the Mountain West tournament, uh, in part because Boise State lost over the weekend to San Jose, San State, Jose State in overtime. Man, I, want, I really want to see what the Spartans can do in that tournament. If they can upset somebody. They're going to be the five seed, I think. They're Most getting a likely. bye. Yep. Well, not a likely. bye, I'm sorry. They're, yeah, they won't have to play in the first day. Yeah. Most likely they will be the five seed at this point because of New Mexico's I loss. I kind of want them to win games. So their likely path, though, is New Mexico, they can San Diego State, and then that'd be, that's that'd the be semifinal. Whatever's in the final. And then the final. So beating New Mexico, not a big problem. I mean, they'd be, they will be the underdog, but it's not like inconceivable. Beating San Diego State, a lot more difficult. Yeah. And then probably playing Boise, Boise State or, or Utah State like or Nevada. In the final, so be tough, but he's just done such a good job. They have, they, and he's that's the problem. Is like job. Tim Miles has San Jose State. Maybe this is the best San Jose State team ever. Since. It's it's the best it's, since they've joined the Mountain West. The Mountain West. It's the best in since the, in the last two decades. Yes, and probably longer than that. But he's not going to have anything to show for it, right? Because they're not an NCAA tournament team. They're not an NIT team. They'd go to the CBI. Would I they mean, go they to the would, CBI? They, I think he would. Oh, I think if you're Probably, San Jose yeah. State, you take anything you yeah. can get. So maybe they will have something to show for it. Yeah. As a CBI appearance and see if they can win a game. Yeah, win them all. Come on. Nevada won it one year. Somebody else from the Mountain West went to the final, I think. The Mountain West owns the CBI yes, when they play yes. in it. Even though he's too good for it, but they own it when they play in it. Um, we also had Arizona State beat number seven Arizona on a half court buzzer beater. Yeah. ASU down to 2.9 seconds left. Uh, Desmond Cambridge who actually went to Nevada and transferred to Arizona State, hit the buzzer beater. Um, Arizona did not really guard them in those final 2.9 seconds. They just let him catch it, dribble to half court, and throw it up. He made it. And Florida State beat Miami on a buzzer beating three. Um, Miami actually scored with five seconds left to take the lead. So that was multiple games where one team scored to take the lead in the final 10 seconds, and the other team responded with a buzzer, with beater, a buzzer beater to win the game, which is phenomenal. And none of those were the best games in college basketball. Because Iowa was down 11 with a minute to play. They made Michigan State or against Michigan State? Against Michigan State. State. They made five threes in the final 39 seconds of the game. They scored 17 points in the final minute because they had two free throws involved in there, too. Here's the thing Michigan State blew this 11 point lead, they went six of eight on free throws. That's not bad. That's right, like right. 75% like you think the they national just extended average. enough to win the game. That's if you go 6 of 8, that's pretty normal. You pretty much close out the game. Yeah. And they blew it. They blew the lead because Iowa made a 3 on 5 straight possessions in the final 39 seconds. And then Iowa went on to win the game in overtime 112 to 106. Unbelievable. 
final minute. All right. Fran staring down the official. Why not? Stare him down. Stare Come him down. On. Stare him down. Been around forever. Staring people down. Now get back to the huddle. <laughs> Drop a play. Well, he obviously drew up a lot of plays. His team made five threes in like 10 seconds. Iowa made more threes in the final 39 seconds than UNLV did in the entire game against Air Force. Air Force. Nothing bad. Nothing like a bad uh, good win. <laughs> There's no such thing as a bad win. You almost said it. I almost, you almost said, said, it. said I almost bad saw, win. Oh, I was right there. Because you Danny, know it's real. There's no such thing as a bad win. Why are you telling Danny? You want him on Danny? your side? If you get Danny on your what side, do you, think, you lose. Danny? There's no such thing as a bad win. You win the game. He doesn't have a mic either, Ed. <laughs> a win is a win? Yes. This is the degenerate also... sports better. The, Danny's right. a degenerate. Why, I, I, yeah, why am I asking Danny? Everything, Everything is a, is... a win is a win. To, a loss is a win to him sometimes. He thinks Brock Purdy finishing... <laughs> Third in the uh, rookie of the year voting was a win. That's true. Don't ask Danny questions. <laughs> Not only doesn't even have a, even if he could give good answers, he doesn't have a mic to do it. He's already lost his future on the XFL. Oh boy, only one. one oh, only lot. one. Oh only yeah, one. he bet on twenty five percent of the league to win the title. <laughs> good work there, Danny. Why didn't you just bet on two more? Cover half the league. Maybe. Come talking to a mic. You bet on which two teams to win the XFL title. <laughs> I uh, put money on uh, Vegas and DC. And the oh, Vegas Vipers yeah, have not been very good. Vegas is zero and two. Although their first week loss was, um, they had the lead for most of it, and then just couldn't convert a two point conversion at the end. And DC has won pretty good both weeks, but they also play the Battle Hawks this week, which is a uh, favorite to win the championship. Oh boy, not the Battle Hawks! So, so once DC gets that <laughs> upset. DC gets that upset. We're looking real good. But you also bet on the Vegas Vipers, who are not any good, is what you're telling me. That's true. They have a distinct home field disadvantage. <laughs> <laughs> not the Battle Hawks. Ed, you did not go to Cashman? No, I went to uh, UNLV Women instead. Okay, good call. Um, <laughs> the two things I saw from Cashman, one, they spray-painted the field green. Uh, and two, Danny, maybe you know the answer to this. Why were there two diagonal strips of grass through the like running across like the twenty yard line? There were just diagonal strips of different grass. Like they brought in turf, and it was just for like two strips. Like there was like a tire tracks basically. Yeah, that I'm. Not, I was very confused the entire <laughs> game by that because they stuck out, and I could see when people walked over those. It was clearly uneven to the rest of the field. Like, I could see their foot on a slope if they were on it. How many people stuck around because it started raining at, like, halftime yeah, of that game? Yeah, a shirtless guy. There was. Uh, they announced that the attendance was just over 6,000. Nice. I would say once the rain started, probably 4,500 of those 6,000 left. So... 1,500. So about 1,000, maybe 1,500 were there for the second half. That's including players, right? <laughs> yes. I don't think I'm sticking around for the second half of a rainy XFL game. 6 nothing at halftime. Oh, God. That was the halftime score? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. It's and, boring. Oh, who stayed? Those people deserve it. Mean, you, you were not in the rain, though, Danny. You were in a press box or a club suite, whatever you were in. Woo!